Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Today, my guest is Ryan Terribilini, who is from Silicon Valley, California, and he's an entrepreneur. Uh, he previously worked for Google and Ripple, but uh, he's got a lot to tell about Taiwan, about himself, about his life, about all the things that he's doing. So let's meet Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hi. Nice yes. to meet you, Shirley. Thank you for having me. Great. And you've been in Taiwan for three years, but it seems to me that you know a lot about Taiwan. You know, after you gave him some info about yourself, and I was thinking that, wow, this guy really understands Taiwan. And I thought you were going to tell me that you've been in Taiwan for 30 years. Well, if, if I had been in Taiwan for 30 years, I would have come when I was two years old. So that would have been too much. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, anyway. Um, so uh, why are you here in Taiwan in the first place? Yeah, it's a bit of a long story. But um, so being from Silicon Valley, kind of grew up in the shadow of great universities and these tech giants as they were coming up. So I remember going to the movie theater when I was a kid in Mountain View. It's the Century Cinemas. And uh, I remember seeing a sign. It's a funny, colorful sign. It says Google, you know, in, in bright rainbow colored letters. Yes. And I'm like to my dad, what's that company? He's like, oh, it's like a new uh, search engine. You can type in whatever you want and find all this information about it on the Internet. And I'm like, oh, the Internet. OK. How and old this, were you then? Oh, man. Well, this is uh, early 2000s. So I was just getting into my like 10, 11, 12, that, that kind of era, you know. OK. The, the blossoming of your brain, you know, before you're really using computers and stuff all the time. Because that era, it was like, you would really have to go take time out of your day to go sit at a computer, log on to America Online through a dial-up modem, those type of things. Yes. It wasn't, we, I think we've taken for granted the ubiquity of connectivity today, right? Right, now right. Everybody's got the computer in their pocket on the internet 24-7 a day. So. I know. Okay. So then I, I saw that and uh, I said, wow, okay, that's an interesting thing. Never thought I would end up working there one day, so just... As I got older, you know, Google became a much bigger and stronger company and uh, happened to go to Berkeley and stay in the Bay Area. So then I had the opportunity to go work at Google out of college right after the recession. Um, the team I was on at Google was focused on Android. So that was the mobile operating system that was uh, kind of trying to create an ecosystem around getting phone manufacturers all over the world to adopt this operating system on their phone. And Asia was a big source of growth for that. So... The team that we had for that line of the business was actually based in Taipei because some oh. of the earliest Android phones were between HTC uh, yes. and uh, Google. Hong as Kong. A I mean, that's how I'm brand. So Google was working very closely with HTC on the first Android phone. Oh, okay. This was in okay. 2009, 2008, 2009. Yeah. And so as an extension of that, there were some of the engineers and operations team um, for the work that we were doing at Google were based in the Taipei office. Okay. So then from there, I had opportunities to come here for business. Um, we had like a teammate that, you know, we kind of did an exchange. So I came to Taiwan for three months. She came to, she went to California for three months. So it's like we're cross-cultural exchange of Google employees across offices. So that was pretty cool. The first three months that you were here, yeah, you fell in love with Taiwan. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know what to expect. I honestly had a very limited impression. For me, uh, at that time, I was uh, 25, so... I'd grown up in the Bay Area, I'd gone to school in the Bay Area, uh, worked in the Bay Area. I was just ready to go. I just wanted to go live and work somewhere else and just see what that was like. Yeah. Not really having any impressions or expectations about what Taiwan would be like. So Taiwan was your first Asian country that you've ever stepped on? Mm, I oh. think at that time, 
definitely the first one I spent any extended time in. I okay. think I had traveled to Thailand or some other place before, but so you you were working for Google, and uh, after some time, you figured that you want to just pack up and go somewhere, and you decided to come to Taiwan. Yeah. So after that experience, I was like, "Wow, Taiwan is great. Would love to have the opportunity to come work here, or live here at some point in time." And uh, so I went back to Silicon Valley, worked at another startup for two years, a startup called Ripple, focused on cross-border payments between banks using blockchain technology. So that's a, a very interesting company, but that's a whole side story that we don't need to get uh, into. Yeah. Um, well, what did you study in college? I studied classical civilizations. So I'm always more humanities and histories focused. Interest. I thought you were going to say you're, you're an engineer or something like that and because you work for Google and Ripple, and it's so different from, what is that, humanities? Mm, yeah, so I think I'm very lucky and very grateful to have the opportunity to work in technology companies because some of them have the hiring approach that they don't care what your hard skills are. They care okay. about your mental adaptability <laughs> or at Google, they call it Googliness, which is this kind of... <laughs> abstract uh, character traits that they like, that they say, oh, this makes a good Google employee if they're intellectually curious or self-motivated, those type of things. So It's always good to be curious, I think. Definitely. Yeah. I feel like I haven't had a set plan for my life or career. I just follow my interests and then things lead from there. So. Oh, you're one of those people. Definitely. Okay. <laughs> I don't go in with like a five-year plan. I'm just like, hmm, okay, what's interesting me for the next year or two? Uh -huh. Then I dive in deep for a couple of years, and then after I feel like I have some grasp of it, then I just another notch in the belt, right? Yeah. So what is it that you like about Taiwan? Can you be more specific? Yeah. So I guess that first three months in Taiwan, that was just like coming here kind of as a, a cultural experience, kind of as a tourist who didn't know what to expect because I didn't speak Mandarin at the time. Um, and it was just like, how do I integrate into the day-to-day -day life here? So, so many things for that were like, wow, Taiwan's... The people are very nice. That always strikes people, I think. This is the standard kind of checklist, right? Yes. The food is very interesting, very delicious. Very, oh, you, very you used the word interesting. Okay. It is. I mean, compared to what you're used to, yeah. I mean, there's like the sanitized version of, of Asian or Chinese cuisine that you would get in the U.S., right? Yes. Like lemon chicken or, or, or gong bao ji ding or something right. like that. Right. But here it's like, okay, this is next level stuff. <laughs> you know, zhu xie gao and, and niu rou mian and that stuff. So okay, zhu really, really gao, it. that's uh, pig's blood cake. Yes. And uh, niu rou mian, that's yeah, beef noodle soup. Um, that's very, very popular here. We even have competitions for that. Um, yeah, I remember when I was in the States um, and I went to Chinatown and I was deciding between two restaurants. They were opposite the street from each other. I went to anyone, the one on the left which turned out to be Americanized Chinese restaurant. I should have gone to mm. the right, the one on the right, because that's like real genuine Chinese right. you know, restaurant. If the menu's not in English, you know it's the genuine Oh, one. I didn't know that. <laughs> you know? So, huh. So you taste of uh, the real stuff. All right. So you know that, what I'm going to ask you next? Okay, what's that? What do you think about you think? stinky tofu? <laughs> oh, that's the standard question. Honestly, <laughs> I don't... I don't mind it. You brought I, me to it. I think I prefer the I prefer the fried stinky tofu. Yeah, it I can see why. Seems a bit more, more palatable, you know. Yes. It's got the kind of crispiness on the outside. Yes. Generally, I, I I think it's an interesting, tasty thing, but I wouldn't. It's not something I seek to go eat. You know? Sure. I don't mind eating it, but I like don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not not my favorite. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. You've been around Taiwan. 
Yeah. I mean, besides I feel, Taipei. I feel like I've been to most of the, I've been to pretty much every big city, I'd say. I just went to Xiaoliuqiu the other weekend. Mm. Have you been there? You know what? I don't think so. No. It, it's really worthwhile. It's yeah. quite, quite easy to get to because you can just take the high-speed rail down to, to Zoying, Kaohsiung, right. then taxi, and then a 30-minute ferry ride. Okay. Yeah. And it's a beautiful little small island. Tropical. can go scuba dive, snorkel, scooter around, eat some seafood. Very, so very relaxed the, pace. All the water activities and then seafood. Yes. That works. That works. <laughs> I, I, I snorkel with some sea turtles. There's a lot of big sea turtles there. Oh, good, good. How did you manage to master Chinese within the three years that you've been here? Oh, I would say I'm I far from mastered Chinese. Uh, but definitely the biggest uh, boost that I got in doing that was just after I left San Francisco, I came here and was just trying to figure out what to do next with my life. But in the meantime, it's like I might as well start learning Mandarin. Good for you. Because I really want to learn a second language. And Taiwan's a great environment for practicing Chinese. So I enrolled at National Taiwan University's Language Center and just did uh, three semesters of full-time course. Mm, intense course, I yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're a smart guy, you know, from not knowing any Chinese before you came. Mm. And then three years later, I mean, you were fidgeting with that coffee machine we had just now, and you could read the Chinese. Yeah. See? <laughs> I love, okay. co- I love coffee too, so I know the right characters. <laughs> okay. Anyway, you're an entrepreneur. What have you done? Um, start talking about all the things you've done and startups and, and, and whatnot. And what got to this report mm. that you wrote up in detail about Taiwan's, I don't know, uh, political scene, uh, its economy. You know, um, it was actually quite exciting to read your report. Thank you. I mean, at a fast pace, but, you know, yeah. And the full thing will be published hopefully by the end of this month. So kind oh, of cool. timely, timely right after the election. So. Oh, oh, yeah, really. Okay, so what have you done while you're in Taiwan these three years? I've done quite a few things, but um, to kind of preface why I've had this kind of intellectual interest in Taiwan, I should go back to uh, a couple things. One was having the experience of working here at Google. Uh, two was then kind of learning Mandarin. And during that time period, I was learning Mandarin. I was also kind of doing what I usually do, which is be a history nerd and kind of go around to the different uh, political sites or cultural sites and get an understanding of the generations of migration here or the Japanese cultural influence and those type of things. So, right, because you're half Dutch, half... What's the other half? Sorry. Uh, well, my last... My surname, Terribilini, Swiss-Italian. So my dad, my great... My great-grandfather emigrated to California in the 1890s to be a dairy farmer from Switzerland. Uh-huh. And then okay. my, my, I'm first-generation American on my mom's side. My grandparents are Dutch Holocaust survivors. So after the war, they moved to Australia. My mom was born in Australia and then uh, came to the U.S. in the 1960s. See, your family history is quite a history itself. So no wonder it gets you curious when reading about a new place. Absolutely. And learning up on its culture and history, which you're probably more detailed than I am. Totally. Even though I'm Taiwanese. So I think that family history that I have is one of the driving passions for me when it comes to actually uh, understanding and appreciating Taiwan's modern political history. Because having seen what my grandparents had to go through to survive the war and uh, the life that they've had to work hard to achieve, uh, makes me realize just how special Taiwan's situation has been. Oh, okay. You know, going from 40 years of military dictatorship into this democratization period. Yes, know with all these protections of human rights and free speech and things like that so thank you very much you just made me realize we've come a long way absolutely <laughs> this little island country okay and yeah people, people shouldn't lose sight of the history right I even, don't know. Even, the, even the younger generation you know they don't take these freedoms for granted because they were hard-earned right. by the previous generations so yeah yeah so i think about that in my situation because 
kind of have the American dream situation, immigrant, immigrant grandparents, born in California, access to the great public schools and all those things. But you don't always, you got to be grateful for what they had to go through to get you to that point, right? True, true. Okay, so after going visiting all the different museums and learning about Taiwan's culture yes. and uh, politics and history, then it got you an idea for a startup? No, so <laughs> then there's one more step before the startup. Oh, okay. The step before the startup is uh, I was going to uh, apply to graduate schools, so I applied for master's in public policy at the University of Oxford, so there's a, a school of government there. Uh, so I wanted to go, so yeah, you know, a uh, thousand-year-old ancient university one of the most yes. prestigious schools in the world. Uh, amazing program with people, 120 students from 70 countries, so kind of like the equivalent of the United Nations at Oxford. Mm. So you have these amazing historic surroundings with people who are future prime ministers and government leaders from all over the world. And like, this is a very exciting time to be at Oxford. Yes. Because it was at the same time where I was one of 10 Americans and Donald Trump was elected president, <laughs> <laughs> which got a lot of flack for me. People were like, what is wrong with your country? <laughs> And, you know, I mean, that, that, in retrospect, that was a, a very special and historic time to be, be in that place. But beyond American politics, um, what I came to realize when I was there is that Taiwan is a very important case study. When you meet people from other countries that are trying to achieve the same government outcomes or same economic outcomes. And then Taiwan is this amazingly rich and interesting story of how it was accomplished. Mm. And so few people are familiar with it. So that got me really, uh, I don't want to say... <laughs> evangelizing but uh definitely informing a lot of my classmates from from afghanistan yemen saudi arabia uh places all over the middle east africa asia about you know the unique taiwan story and experience so that made me very passionate to be like okay taiwan is i know the history now uh, i know a bit of the language uh, i've gone and talked to people who will be leading governments one day so how do i further kind of promote taiwan and what taiwan can do for the rest of the world so my conclusion was maybe I should go back to Taiwan and start a company. As simple as that. That was a, a process to lead you to the next step in your life because you don't make five-year plans. Okay. Or 10-year plans for that matter. All right. No. Nope. So you came to Taiwan. I came to Taiwan and uh, I had the opportunity to do so on a couple grounds. So one was uh, being from San Francisco. That's a sister city of Taipei. Uh, yeah, right. So uh, I was able to get a scholarship to continue my Chinese studies from the Taipei city government. Next week, Ryan Terry Bellini will begin by talking about this other research grant that he got for doing a paper. For In the Spotlight, I'm Shirley Lin. 